I'd like to show you something I'm very proud of, but I'm going to have to ask you to step back a little bit. This week, we 3D touch on new iPhones. Apple Music takes its first dip into your wallet. And are content blockers just Illinois politicians? It's episode 21 of Magnificent. I'm Ian Fuchs, and this week with me is senior editor of MacTrust.com, Mr. Chris Houck, and unofficial Democratic presidential candidate, Mr. J. Glenn Kunzler. I'm actually an independent. Oh, independent. Aren't they all unofficial at this point? Uh, most everything is. Yeah, there's there's too many to keep track of. Yeah, it's it's like whack-a-mole right now. Yeah. Pick one. That's probably who won't be running next week. Yeah, if, so. if we're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky, they all get in one big bus and drive off a cliff. Oh, please let it be Donald. Please let it be Donald. Please let it be Donald. Any of them. I don't care. Republican, Democrat, they're all assholes. The, the whole game. <laughs> and you can quote me on that, shot. folks. <laughs> So, uh, other than politics, <laughs> kind of uh, how's everything story. going with you guys this week, or this past week? Not too bad. I think Glenn's had a good week, but that's what I've heard. I have had a good week. I just, yeah. I can't keep a smile off my face this week. I'm, I'm doing all right. So, you finally got your medication evened out then? Uh, either that. I'm either taking something I shouldn't be, or I'm not taking something I should be. I haven't quite figured out which one. Just keep doing what you're doing, brother. You'll be fine. <laughs> that and a new iPhone, and you're not managing any anymore now. You're off that. Oh, thank thing. God! No, 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 no. That, that's that's over. Thank goodness. That was, that was something. Wow. And Chris has been doing all kinds of exciting things. I'm sure. I I am Mr. Excitement. That's what I hear. Art shows and the excitement levels are low, but I'm Mr. Excitement. Art shows and Netflix. Yeah, it didn't get much better than that. So, um. I have some quick follow-up from last week's episode, if you guys are willing to oblige that. Indeed. Um, we ended the show talking about content blockers, and then, as is typical format with the show, we record. The next day, the show gets published. The day the show gets published, something we talked about in the show now has officially changed, or more news has come forward about that topic, so we have to always go back a week and, and cover it. That's called a conspiracy, kids. Yeah, it's terrible. And so, so this week we're recording a day later than normal, uh, in hopes that anything that would have happened yesterday or today, for tomorrow, just to try to throw the bastards off. Yeah, it's we're still going to be stuck in this trap. But content blockers. Um, so last week we recorded, and the next day it came forward that one of the content blockers that had replaced Peace in the App Store, which was called Crystal, had uh, basically come on record and said they're willing to accept financial. Uh, persuasion to allow certain types of ads to still be displayed. And there was some gray area about this because they're claiming, oh, no, this is a, a service that is actually taking the money, not us. But the way it kind of sounded was that they're taking money and therefore opening up certain ads to get through. So if you're a big enough company trying to serve the ads, you could basically pay this guy to have a route through to people's browsers. So those ads would still get served. Oh. So they could buy a place to have their ads served. So this is basically yeah, payola, like they did back in the 50s with music on the radio. You paid yeah. to get played. Yep. That's what's happening Very, here. That, 
That's clearly slimy. And not only is it slimy, it really defeats the purpose of what they're doing. Yeah. But but their argument is that only quality ads then get served through, which I don't think is true because some of the worst (laughs) quality ads, right? Quality equals whoever pays. Some of the worst ads on the Internet come from things like Google AdSense. And they're obviously one of the deepest pockets in the ad industry as far as what they would be willing to spend to make sure their ads are seen. So you continue to see the bad ads and then, you know, the smaller ad services don't make it through. Um, and we, there's a link in the, the show notes for the article that basically talks about what crystal is doing and some of their thoughts. But I want to ask you guys, if you're using a content blocker on your iPhone or iPad, what one are you using and why? I do not at the moment. I've tried a couple, probably the, one I really like is by a friend of uh, the site. Uh, it's called Blocker, and he let me try it out way before it was released. And it actually had a pretty good setup where you could whitelist sites, you could block content, you could block ads, you could block privacy settings, things. It was actually pretty comprehensive. But I just can't bring myself to use a content blocker because I know our website relies on uh, ads for income, and that's what keeps us going. That's what pays my salary. So I'm not going to block anybody else from, uh, you know, paying their bills. Right. I'm on that same page. I will not use a contact blocker. I consider them a form of theft and deeply immoral. And Chris, that's blocker, B-L-O-C-K-R, right? Yes, B-L-O-C-K-R. No E. Yeah. Um, for me... I'm using an app called Purify, and I do have it on my phone, and I do use it. Um, But what I've tried to do is go through uh, basically any of the sites that I follow on Twitter that I'm going to read their site for content, I've whitelisted. And I actually have switched. I I turned off the ad and analytics tracking setting, but turned on the social plugin blocking because I actually find that that is what slows down things on the web, which is oh. the biggest argument for using a content blocker is that things load faster when you use it because there's not all these third-party scripts running. Right. And things like the Google Plus plugin and the Facebook plugin tend to take a lot of time to load. So I have it switched so those are off. But realistically, Google Plus and Facebook aren't serving ads, so they're not paying the salary. Yes, those services could still track me, and I don't want to get into the whole, like, being tracked versus not being tracked. It's the internet. It's public. Um, but that is uh, in the Purify app. You have the ability to say only block the social plugins, which is kind of cool. Mm, very interesting. Um, but a, a prime example of what you post on the internet is public and what you do on the internet should be considered public and that you shouldn't be blocking things or worry about trackers. Um, the other day I got sent a survey, uh, one of those uh, BuzzFeed surveys, and it was like, what age are you based on your Starbucks preference? And like in the third or fourth question, one of the pictures they use to demo or to like uh, give an example of the expression of how caffeine affects you was a picture of my wife, which she did not provide to BuzzFeed. They found on the internet. Mm. So moral of the story, what you post on the internet is public. What you do on the internet is public. Don't think of it as like, oh well, I'm surfing the web. I shouldn't be tracked. I should. Nobody should know what I'm doing. Like, if you want to do things and not have anybody know, go in your room and shut the door without electronics. Right. If you're at the mall and you're wandering around, anyone can watch you. 
The same applies to the internet. Yep, it's basically the new public area. You have no right to expecting to have privacy when you're walking down the road or when you're on the information highway. So, Exactly. That was my follow-up on content blockers, that uh, if you're using Crystal, just know that some ads may start showing up and that those ads have bought their way into showing up. Then uh, I recommend checking out some of the others if you insist on using one. Like I said, I use Purify. Do you, do you think the developers of Crystal just sit, sit, sit down one day and said, how can I piss off both site owners and users in the same time? I, I think there was a certain level of, you had a lot of content creators who saw this whole thing and were like, oh my God, my livelihood, someone's stealing money from me. And so they started to complain and say, we need the ads. The ads are what make us work. And then the ad companies were like, well, we'll give the ads. Somebody just has to let us do that. And they were trying to appease both sides yeah, from the content creators and the advertisers and saying, oh, well, we'll serve only the good ads. But again, that whole idea of good ads versus bad ads. Are you a good ad or a bad ad? So. It's okay, guys. Our ads are good. Yeah, we right. Yeah. So that's what I had on that. Let's talk about... Uh, Something awesome. And by that, I mean Glenn and I... Are you going to talk about me again? Well, yeah, we are. I knew that was coming. (laughs) Why did I know that was (laughs) coming? The the new iPhone 6S slash 6S Plus, which I believe Glenn is petting right now. Oh, so much. Oh, so much. It's such a pretty baby. He's 3D touching it all over it. That's right. Um, what are your thoughts now, now that you have it in hand and well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at how different it is first. Um, the immediate impression I got when I took it out of the box and when I held it at the first time and, and began setting it up is this is one seriously sturdy phone. You can tell right away it's got a little bit of increased heft. It's got a little bit more oomph and weight in your hand and, and presence in your pocket than, than the original uh, 6 Plus, which isn't, isn't a bad thing in this case. It's just enough to make you feel like it's a little more solid and stable of a device. Doesn't add notably more weight to make it heavier or more difficult to use. So props on making it a little more structurally stable, because that's one of the things I was concerned about with the 6 Plus for a long time, is that it seemed not flimsy, but a little bit less built up than I would typically like in a device. A little bit um, fragile. Yeah, just just to touch on the fragile side. Just never thought The other thing way. I found myself surprised at is how much I'm using 3D Touch. Um, it, it's a little bit... It seemed like a little bit of a gimmick at first. A cool gimmick, mind you, but but still a gimmick. But the more I use it, the more I think, this, this is not a gimmick at all. This is something that's seriously affecting the way I use the device. I'm finding myself using contact lists by 3D Touching icons. I'm using Peek and Pop almost as my regular form of input now in the apps that support it. It's become so natural that I would be very disappointed to see it go away. I I never really thought it would make that much of a difference for me, but 
it really, really does. It's a phenomenal feature. Um, plus, you can make your wallpaper goldfish swim now, and I do that all day long because it's deeply entertaining. Yeah. The uh, the only thing I don't like about the wallpapers, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the uh, I think there's six fish and then three kind of like smoky hipster looking ones. Uh, there's which... storm clouds. Oh, storm clouds. Okay, my mistake. I I have one of the uh, hipster smoke ones as my wallpaper, which I enjoy. The reason I chose that instead of the fish is because all six of the fish ones are a fish's ass. If a fish has ass. <laughs> but, but you can make the fish ass do the tango. I... <laughs> wow. But it's... Like, why not the side of a fish or a fish swimming towards you? Like, all of them are the backside of a fish's tail. And I know it's because the fish's tail... They want to catch moves, the fanning is, of the tail. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I get it that it looks probably prettier, but... It's a fish's ass. Like, that's not what I need is my wallpaper. So uh, I, I, The smoke is equally cool, though. I, I agree. The smoke is cool. And I, I, I had the kind of purpley one, and I switched to the blue one. <coughs> um, and it's it's a little gimmicky, but it's kind of neat at the same time. Yeah. The, the thing I love about all of the 3D Touch wallpapers is it makes for a really great demo about how sensitive 3D Touch really is. You can push just a touch harder and advance the animation a fraction of a second. You can push all the way down to advance the animation to the end. And you've got hundreds of levels of sensitivity in between. It shows that there's a lot more potential than just two or three levels of pressure activation. You've literally got hundreds or perhaps thousands of levels of sensitivity between point A and point B. And if you think about the implications of that, especially for things like artistic apps, drawing apps, sketching apps, that's going to be phenomenal. That's going to be a headline thing. Got to be honest, I had no idea. I, I thought it was just like touch and it animated and let go and it deanimated, reverse animated. I didn't realize you could like stop midway through and it would actually pause. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really that's fascinating. cool. I uh, I may have an entire day's worth of work that I can kill now. It doesn't work with everything, but it definitely works with the wallpapers, and it's a great demo for showing technical capabilities. Um, do you use the uh, 3D Touch app switcher? Have you done that? You know, I I've I've tampered with it. I don't love it yet. It it doesn't feel perfectly intuitive at this point. I think I'm going to get to that point once I start forcing myself to use it anymore. Um, that, that's what tends to happen with new features. I'm always kind of slow to catch on. I'm always kind of slow to adopt them. Once I figure them out, though, I tend to, to just really go for it. Um, 3D Touch in general, and I know this analogy is getting tired, and, and, and most people have probably already heard this several times, it, it seems a lot like a right-click, right? Not everybody knows it's there. Not everybody's going to use it. Um, but once you figure out that it's there, once you figure out what it does, you want to find more places to use it. You want it to work absolutely everywhere. Is it, um, is it but one of those unlike features? a right-click... 
I'm sorry. I think it is one of those features. It's one of those features that you go, how did I ever live without this? Yeah, I, I really think it is. And I perhaps even more so than a right-click, because you've got so many different layers of capability built into that. Not only is it useful for bringing up a context menu, it's useful for unlocking various types of functionality in apps like peek and pop. It's useful for particularly drawing and sketching, or at least I presume that it will be very, very soon, because I can't imagine how anybody's going to miss that that creates one of those sorts of apps. Yeah, for for me, I I feel like I'm kind of the inverse of that. Like, you're using it to peek and pop at stuff all the time, and I think I'm so in the habit of just, like, on messages, just clicking into the message to look at it, or an email, clicking into the email to look at it. But I went from, you got to remember, I went from the 6 to the S+. plus, So mm. I went up in size. So for me, the the biggest feature is actually getting to that app switcher. And that you can press on on the left-hand side of the screen and it pops you into your app switcher instead of having to double-click the home button. Which Well, you're you're having a little bit different experience than I am, for sure, because you're dealing with a couple of things. You're probably dealing with holding your device in a little bit different way than you're used to, <laughs> um, which was a several-month adjustment for me when I first... I, I started with the 6, and then I went to the Plus, and almost almost intuitively, I, I hold it with the tip of my fingers towards the end of the device so I get the full thumb extension. I don't just hold it with one hand like I'm used to doing with a smaller device. I'm still very much one-handing it. Are you? And how's that working out for you? I Surprisingly well. Um, I, there's a whole, like, I'm sure psychological something we could get into where do you hold it with your left hand, your right hand, whatever. I'm a left-hand iPhone holder. Uh, almost exclusively. I'm not sure why. I just am. And I don't know if you guys are or if that makes me weird. Yes, um, it does make you weird. Okay, perfect. I, I definitely started out one-handing it. I think most people end up as two-handers with a device that size in the end. We are still talking about iPhones, aren't we, guys? Yeah. yeah. All right. um, typing is the only time when I, I, I do use both hands because... Getting to the far side of the keyboard with one hand is a little bit of a challenge. I will agree with that. But as far as just like navigating through apps, scrolling through Twitter, um, like picking songs to play or building a playlist or, you know, whatever other garbage I decide managing my fantasy football team, whatever, all of that stuff I'm doing one handed with my left hand. But again, using your left hand, your thumb is perfectly positioned to just press in a little bit and activate that app switcher. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe that's part of the difference. Um, the only thing that really makes one-handing difficult on the 6S Plus in particular is force touches. Doing force touches in certain ways, in certain areas, definitely causes the device to be much more unstable one-handed. Because you're putting physical pressure on the screen. Can't say I've experienced that. I don't know. Everybody uses their phone different. That's the moral of the story. How you hold Indeed. your phone definitely makes a difference. For me, like I said, the the big change for me really is the the form factor, the size factor. Um, and then I, I've also found, like you said, 3D touch and how you're, it's already become kind of it, only a matter of a week become ingrained in you as something you do. Uh, I picked up my wife's 6 Plus 
last year's model and immediately tried to 3D touch on something and it didn't work. And I was like, oh yeah, that's not a thing that every device has. Right. So, um, what do you think of live photos? Love them. Really? I really love them. I think they're kind of going to be indispensable for me. Now, they're not something that I use every single time. I definitely, every time I go to take a photo, I make a conscious choice whether to click that little yellow sphere or not. But the majority of the time, I probably use it because I do love having context built right into the photo. I have found in the probably dozen live photos I've taken that uh, 11 of the 12, maybe even 12 of the 12, um, have been a little bit of camera movement or a little bit of phone movement, settle in, take the picture, and then the whole second and a half at the end that's all moving is complete junk. Because as soon as I snap the picture, I've moved. Uh, and part of it for me is I'm usually trying to take pictures of our dogs. Dogs don't exactly sit still. Um, so that's part of it. But I've I've yet to have a a live photo turn out even kind of sort of remotely close to what I would expect. So for me, I I think it's kind of a gimmick. Hmm. I don't know. I don't... I like the idea. Fantastic idea. And being able to set them as your, your wallpaper or use them on your watch as a, a wallpaper, super cool. Um, I think it takes a, a different type of photography photographer than, than I am. Does it? Yeah. Well... Or somebody, maybe somebody who just is more patient about taking pictures. I'm also a big burst mode, burst mode picture taker. Oh yes. And if you do burst mode, the live photo thing doesn't happen. So. Because it can't. Right. So, so for me, that's that's part of it too. Is again taking pictures of the dogs. A lot of times I hit it, and I'm like, one of these they won't be moving, hopefully, <laughs> and I'll take you know ten pictures in a row. And then I go through and find the one where they're moving the least and use that one. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I can definitely see it as a thing, but, uh, I think it depends on the type of photo that you're going to take. Like if I'm on vacation or something and I'm taking pictures of all the, the cool people that I meet or experiences that I'm having, I'm probably going to want the context. If I'm just taking pictures of average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill things, or pictures of objects, or or things of that nature, definitely not going to be important to use the live photos. There are cases where they're going to get in the way. Yes. And I think that's where I'm at with it right now, is I've yet to find one, or a a situation where I'm like, yes, this this is super cool, I'm so glad I have the context for it, but... Mm-hmm. I'm sure my time will come. Um, Chris, since I know you don't have one, wh- what is your... Rub it in. <laughs> you don't have it yet. You haven't yet. called T-Mobile and convinced them to give you a new phone. I, I am going to visit T-Mobile this weekend. I think we're going to make the move this weekend. I may even, don't hold me to it, I may get an Apple Watch. Oh, yeah. So um, just Just based on what you've read, what you've seen, what you've heard, whatever... What do you think of the new iPhones? Like now that they're out, there's lots of people talking about it. 
is is it really that big of a change from last year's or previous versions? Do you think they've really outdone themselves? I think it's the biggest S year change or S year upgrade there's ever been. Oh yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's like almost everything I've read, just listening to you guys, it sounds like an all new phone, which just makes me lust after it more. I have serious success plus envy going on here. So um, mm, he has the gadget lust. He has the gadget lust. Yeah. So I'm definitely, I've put it off for two weeks and I'm like, eh, I don't need it. I don't need it. Eh, well, maybe I want it. And then if it's shit, I got to have it. Remember, that's that's how I was. I said when they yeah. announced it that I wasn't getting it. And then yeah, I was I there on that. Friday and picked it up. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely I know when I do it, I'm going to have to give the child bride one, too. So we'll both be making the move. Of course. Um, Really quick. Glenn, how did you when you moved from your six plus to your six S plus? How did you uh, go about that? Did you start fresh? Did you do an iCloud restore? Did you use an iTunes restore? No, I typically do start fresh. Um, but this year, I didn't. I, I decided to do something a little different. Because I wanted to see how all this stuff would work with my exact setup. So what I did instead was I did a an encrypted iTunes backup. Mm-hmm. And I just restored the whole image. And I'm actually pretty glad I did, because um, it's, it's saved me a lot of work for one. And I didn't have any of the issues that I have in previous years with doing that, such as certain features not being active and you have to reset your settings or all that jazz. Sure. Um, so that seems to have been a good method this time around. Everything seems to apply pretty well without any bugs. Good. I know I read some stuff online and saw some stuff online that there were lots of different issues with people switching that it would get hung up here, or this wouldn't work, or that wouldn't work, regardless of what method you used. I originally started trying to do an iTunes restore, um, and then gave up when it said it was going to take like nine hours to finish backing up mm-hmm. my six to switch over. I was like, I don't have nine hours to wait to play with this phone. Um, so I did an iTunes restore, and because no one told me, I didn't do the encrypted backup of my old phone. So then I restored, got everything all up and running, and lost all of my Apple Watch stuff. And I'm a completionist, and I was five days from the end of September, and I had to get my full month. Mm-hmm. So I, I reset it again, did an encrypted backup of the 6, got everything moved over. Super smooth process, just like you said. Everything came across. It was great. Um, yeah. And that that ultimately saved me all kinds of complications with my Apple Watch, pun intended, um, for the all the the health data and activity data. So I, uh, I I think there's something to be said about the importance of, of health data and how it's probably encouraging people to go the exact same route that I did rather than setting their device up as new. It seems to be a kind of a critical linchpin. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to me that they're, they're encouraging almost like unofficially encouraging you to use an iTunes restore yeah. When when it seems like for the last couple of years that they've been pushing towards this do everything from the cloud, do it without wires. You don't need a Mac or a computer to do this stuff. And then this time it was like a Mac makes this so much like I think the total restore process to get all my apps and everything back was maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas um I know when I got my 6, I did it from iCloud and I think it took 2 days where it was still out there trying to do stuff and saying it was restoring. Welcome to the post-PC world. And by post-PC, I mean use a Mac. (laughs) Something like that. Um, 
Can we just take a moment to talk about post-PC and how that's really not that much of a thing as they wanted it to be? Yes. Because I definitely think they're probably eating those words a little bit. Um, they still, after... It's been, what, five years since they announced the post-PC initiative? No, we're talking about since the iPad? Yeah, since... since yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, thereabouts. Uh, yeah. 2011 was the first iPad. So. We're still not at a point where it's feasible for most people to abandon a Mac for a variety of reasons. Now, there are some people out there that can just use an iPad. Um, but there's still a lot of functions and features and things that made upgrades go smoother and nicer on various iOS devices, not just iPads, but iPhones and iPods. Um you're kind of stuck using a Mac still after five years in most cases. Yeah, I, I um, definitely agree that there's still a need for PC, but I do think that we are to a point where a vast majority of people could probably get by with just an iPad as their computer. Yeah, especially if they're, if they're just starting, if they're just getting into the, getting into the whole thing. If they're just starting or even, even things like, I mean, what we've talked about this before. What is an average an average person? Because you know we're not part of that circle, really. What does an average person use their computer for? It's like checking Facebook, mm. shopping online, paying bills, checking email, looking at photos, that's it. looking at photos, like or watching Netflix. Mm. I mean, you can do all that with an iPad. Yeah. And with the iPad Pro in a couple of months, like that experience just gets better because it's bigger. I mean, mm. so I think for us, we look at it and you're like, I couldn't, I couldn't not have a computer. But then you do have the instances like switching from your old iPhone to your new iPhone, where the process becomes, you know, exponentially easier when you have a computer because you're not depending on, you know, a wireless Wi-Fi signal, whatever, to do all of that. Yeah, and I, I think there's something notable about the fact that an iCloud backup and iCloud restore are just in no way as good or clean or effective as a direct iTunes backup. And I don't understand why. It seems like they could be doing better with that, at making those a little bit more of a complete solution. I think part of it, part of what makes the iCloud Restore such a pain, because when you really look at the iCloud Restore, the initial part of it that always seems to go just fine is where it loads all your contacts and your settings back in. Right. And that only takes a couple of minutes. And that part always seems to go fine. The part of it that seems to get slow is when it tries to reload all the apps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a an app store throttling thing, if it's the way the iPhone downloads apps, because it only can download a couple at a time, versus when you go from iTunes, it can load more at a time or more faster. Um, more comma faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not more yeah. faster. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but I, I agree. The uh, iCloud, iCloud backups, fantastic. If you don't use iCloud backups, do it because you, the chance that something gets lost and you wish you could recover it, or your phone gets destroyed and you want to get stuff back, yes, iCloud backup, fantastic. But yeah. when you have the option, the iTunes backup is always going to be so much more time efficient. Yeah, and ultimately a, a better experience. Right. A, a question that's posed semi-regularly on, on the floor of, of the store that I work at by various types of customers is, what's up with the time capsule? Why is there zero support 
for iOS backups to a time capsule. It seems like that would help smooth out a lot of these concerns. That way, if you're doing your iCloud restore from home, all of your apps are cached, the software update is cached, it would be a much smoother and quicker and more efficient process because it could literally occur at the speed of your network. Right. And well, then, yeah, it's not going out to the internet. And the other thing, too, is if you were doing it to a time capsule, you could, in theory, encrypt it. And, and this is something I didn't realize because I've never used encrypted backup until just last week switching over. I didn't realize by doing that, I didn't have to log into any of my accounts. Yeah. I didn't have to... I didn't have to put a password in for anything. Like the only thing I had to reset up was my Apple Pay stuff because it doesn't keep those credit card numbers, yeah. which is fine. Um, and Touch ID. Yeah, like th- those are the only two things that I had to reconfigure on the new phone. There's your post PC world, Apple. Get people into a time capsule and up the game on iOS and the time capsule. And I think you know that's another. You know, they always said the uh, Apple TV was just a hobby thing. I feel like the the time capsule is just as much of that like hobbyist market. Yeah. And yeah, they could easily shake it up just by and that would be something as simple as an iOS update feature. If you have a time capsule that meets these specs, you know, any of the new little tall tower looking ones, you could use this feature and mm-hmm. boom back up to that, put a password on it when you go to restore, put your password in, everything comes back. They could use those inside the Apple Store to smooth the process of iCloud backups and restores. That's true. Cause they, I mean, there would be all kinds of advantages. I didn't even think of that. Because I know some stores will will pull out a Mac and actually let you like do a backup to the Mac, right? Actually, then most of them aren't allowed to do that anymore for privacy reasons. Oh, yeah. I know at one point they used to they used to do that. Yeah, they used to do or it years seen ago. That okay? Because I remember uh, my iPhone 3G. I had that where I took it in and they're like, oh, let's do a backup quick. They backed it up to the computer. I suppose at that point, we weren't really doing anything on our iPhones other than Google and email. So Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd seen it. It was all came down to uh, how freaked out the customer was at the time. The, the strides we've taken and the distance we still have to go. Mm-hmm. All I know is this phone absolutely has blown me away. Like, battery life on it. The the screen, the features, the everything. Apple has done a good thing with this phone. iPhone 6S? More like iPhone success, am I right? How long have you been waiting to use that? <laughs> Since last Friday, yeah. I assume. Hey, Glenn, you, you went from the 6 Plus to the 6S Plus. Have you noticed uh, better battery life, worse battery life? I'm I'm getting on average 10 to 15% better battery life okay good are you using low power mode i'm not not at all i've never been in the opportunity to need it yet i'm always still at 50 to 60 percent at the end of the day and i i'm uh just looking at mine currently it's five o'clock and i'm at 63 percent battery and i listen to podcasts and music all day on my phone so i'm in the same boat I, i had the warning come on the second day i had it because I didn't charge it the first night. So I went two full days, basically, and it, it warned me to do low-power mode, and I just ran it dry instead. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one thing that helps me is, because I have an Apple Watch, and I can use it whenever I'm tracking fitness or location, the phone doesn't have to do that work, which was one of my big drains before. Anytime I, I started doing the location active stuff, it was it was killing it. But 
Sure. Um, anything else cool with the new iPhones you want to talk about? No, I'm good. Dancing betta fish. I just, I just got to say that again. Dancing betta fish. Or swinging fish butts, as Ian puts it. Fish butts. Right. <laughs> fish butts. Fish butts. With fish um, heads. So, the, uh, I guess the next thing that effective today, Don't we are at the end of, or yeah, today is the end of the beginning of whatever, the end of the Apple Music trial slash beginning of paying for Apple Music as a service. If you were one of those crazy people who signed up on day one. Guilty. Are either of you utilizing Apple Music as a paying customer? Not this time. No. I sure, I sure am. I kept it. We thought about it, but then Julie and I talked about it, and and uh, I've tapered off on using it. I don't use it near as much as I do. I still listen mostly to podcasts and stuff. And when she's listening to music, she usually finds herself listening to uh, Amazon Prime, because we've got Amazon Prime, so she uses that app, and it they usually have the music she wants to listen to. So we're going to let it go for a while. Interesting. And Glenn, you are keeping it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really stuck on it. Good. I love the access to basically the entire mu- uh, music store, and Beats 1 is almost worth it all on its own for me. Gotta remember, Beats 1 is available even if you're not a paying customer. Yeah, but it's it's nicer to have the whole library at your disposal, too, where oh, you can instantly basically listen to everything. Like, I love that, yeah. I agree. The, just that in itself, to me, is worth paying for it. I was just reminding you that Beats 1 is... Yeah, it, it, it makes me want to support the platform. Um... Interestingly enough, I actually read an article on uh, I download blog, I think, maybe. I'm pretty sure. Um, about Beats 1, and they were... I, I'm sure it was a report of a report of a report because the internet... Um, but it was basically a kind of summary of an interview that Zane Lowe had done and talking about how he's not sure that Apple Music actually needs Beats 1. And the more I thought about it, the more I agreed with the idea that Apple Music as a paid service doesn't need Beats 1, and then mm-hmm. remembered that Beats 1 isn't actually part of the paid service. It's just an added bonus to the app, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized that, I was like, oh yeah, Beats 1 is a feature that everyone has access to. They don't have to pay the $10 a month or $15 for a family. So Yeah, that that it, that is a really good call-out, though, because I'll, I'll bet there's... I, I wasn't immediately aware of that, for sure. Um, I, I do have to ask, uh, and, and Chris, actually, this might be a, a better question for you. What is the music app like without Apple music involved? Does it kind of go back to the old version or that comes to the heading of, I'll have to let you know. Okay. Uh, I really haven't been in there today. So which shows you how much I've been using it. All right. It's just the last couple of weeks. I've, I've really dropped off on how much I used it. Like the novelty was worn off or something. I don't know. Or maybe I just had that looming fourteen ninety nine a month coming at me, <laughs> so I was weaning myself off subconsciously. And obviously, in my asking you, uh, I think it should be fairly apparent. I'm keeping it. Um, we were in a debate, my wife and I, about whether or not to keep it. She prefers Spotify's app, and the fact that she has on her work computer she has the ability to install Spotify, but not iTunes. Don't ask me why. Uh, it at college is weird. Um, but she can have Spotify installed so she can use it. Um, for me, I had, you asked me six months ago 
which I would have picked between the apps, I probably would have picked Spotify. But some of the changes they've made to their app lately have made me absolutely despise it. And then on top of that, the fact that I can say, hey, iPhone, only, you know what I mean, instead play uh, ACDC, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, here's some ACDC, and then it comes on and plays. The fact that that's integrated and there's no way to do that with Spotify, like, those two things have me on the service, so. Yeah, I can see your point there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, I I don't know. I I'm interested to know how the music app works without Apple Music because I think that'll be a huge differentiator in the experience because the the app in iOS 9 is very much built around the idea of being an Apple Music subscriber. I may have to experiment with this concept. Right now I'm still using both my 6 Plus and my 6S Plus. I still carry them both daily because I'm going to have to swap out my 6S Plus at some point for the AT&T model so I haven't fully used it as my primary device. Uh, I wonder if I can just turn it off on one of the two devices so I have a comparison point. The, the difference is if you just switch it off, like the uh, Connect tab goes away. Oh, but I right. don't. I don't think some of the features change. Whereas if you're not a subscriber, like what goes on the bottom? Do you just have one big button that says My Music or two buttons, mm. My Music and Radio? Mm. So I'm, that's what I'm not sure on is, is how that experience works. Indeed. Um, I, I have gone to um, not using iTunes on the Mac at all. I've completely given up on that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's such a show that I don't even I don't even look at it anymore. I'm oh dear God no. If I'm if I'm losing if I'm if I'm going to use music or listen to music, I'll grab my iPad. I'll grab my iPhone. Whatever. I don't I don't even look at iTunes on on the Mac. It's such a mess. The the only time I'm in iTunes is if I have to back up the iPhone or exactly. or for some reason I click a link and it takes me there to look at an app. Sure. And then you right away you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I could get that on my iPhone. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I'm I'm sad to see that iTunes on the Mac is such a terrible experience and, and with L Cap coming out today that there was no updated iTunes to make it any better. They're just continuing to let that rot. But It'll be interesting to see uh, when Chris finally reports back on on what the music app is like without all of the Apple Music stuff. I will be sure to try that tomorrow. And and Glenn, I just want to ask really quick: Why do you not have an AT and T model, and what model do you have that doesn't work with AT and T? I ordered the T Mobile model because um, it's it has traditionally been an unlocked phone, but this year it was a little bit different. It lacks one of the faster new LTE bands that AT&T is utilizing, band 30. So it's fully functional, but I do want to get that band 30 because it really helps your speeds when you're in a big city or congested area. Got it. So it's not that it doesn't... Because that was my understanding was that the AT&T model will work on all carriers and it will just have a band, if you're not using it on AT&T, that works or that doesn't you the other carriers don't utilize and then vice versa if you have any of the other models it will work on AT&T it just doesn't have the other band that's exactly right and it really really puzzled me actually i don't understand why they didn't just build band 30 into, into all of them all the models why aren't they just using the one model i mean yeah, yeah I exactly it doesn't make sense to have one model that's just for AT&T yeah my my only my only conclusion is they must have been pressured on some level 
by AT&T about that. You'd almost have to think. I, I don't know. I don't I don't understand it either, and I've I've wondered about it. I wondered if, if maybe for us as Americans, we don't understand why there's two models, but then maybe in other countries, for some reason, their devices can't have band 30, and so they had to have a model without, and so then they just carried over to here, and they said, well, if your network doesn't support it, We'll save ourselves the eighteen cents or whatever it costs to have that extra band in the in the modem. And we're talking about the communists, aren't we? That still doesn't make sense to me because if that's the case, all of the U.S. models should have been one unified model, and they would have created a separate model for Asia. I suppose. I, I don't know. There's a, there's some unanswered questions there that I just truly don't understand. For what it's worth, I have model A one six eight seven. Somebody wants to look that up. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have band 30. It does not. The only ones that do are AT&T specific models. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I got the Verizon model. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically the same as as the T-Mobile model. Yeah, I, I think the, I think that the T-Mobile, Sprint, and Verizon are all the same. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it'll affect resale value. They'll be worth like ten dollars less or something. It'll be some ridiculous racket like that. Yeah, it's, it's ultimately not going to matter unless it's an AT&T customer buying it. And even then, most AT&T customers will never see Band 30, at least not this year. Uh, you've, you've got to live in a huge area or frequently visit a huge area, like the convention center at Las Vegas, I imagine, is going to be among the first places to build in Band 30 support because the network goes completely to crap whenever there's a convention in town there. Wait, wait. So they're not even using Band 30 right now? Well, they are, oh. but right now it's 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 kind of a short length, short wave signal. Ah. So it's mostly being used as a fast lane in big cities and typically highly congested, dense areas. So, like right around Wrigley Field or Soldier Field downtown Chicago, they might have support for band. Yes, 30. stadiums are going to be a real key place Got to it. maybe put in a, a band 30 booster. So what it comes down to is it lets AT&T customers brag about how they still they can still post to Facebook or Instagram while their friends on T-Mobile and Verizon are like, it won't load. Which is the most important thing. It's like the elite club of LTE. Got it. That seems like a crapshoot. Well, not unlike T-Mobile's band 12, which isn't supported yet. Yeah. Um, anytime there's a new band like that, there's there's going to be some exclusivity to that for a while that gives people an advantage. Yeah, I can't wait to try the T-Mobile, the extended LTE. Yeah. Which I, may be the band you're talking about. It's supposed to give you better coverage inside buildings mm-hmm. and uh, farther away from towers. So it'll be interesting to see if I get faster speeds or better coverage. I'll just continue to not have coverage inside Target. It's fine. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about an iOS 9 feature because I, I'm tired of talking about iPhones, even though this is still iPhones. <laughs> talking about all these bands and spectrums and whatever is, is good geekery, but maybe not good radio. So a, a feature of iOS 9 that I find absolutely fantastic may be responsible for your next Verizon or AT&T overage bill. Mm. Um, and that is the Wi-Fi assist feature. Right. And basically, my understanding of what it does, if you have bad Wi-Fi connection, it will automatically hop to LTE instead to finish loading things, correct? That's right. Right. Which ultimately means less waiting for things to load, whatever. 
fantastic. But somehow it's doing this without you knowing that it switches to LTE? Is that... It's turned on by default when you installed iOS 9. Right, but like, does the indicator still say Wi-Fi, even though it's using LTE up in the top left corner? You know, I haven't really noticed. Because, because that's, that's what I have the hard time with. Supposedly, because it'll hop off Wi-Fi and onto LTE to do things, if you have bad service at wherever you are, it will actually use your mobile data, which then causes you to use data when you may not have meant to use data. You meant to be using Wi-Fi. So the suggestion is, oh, well, if you have a limited data plan, turn this feature off. Yeah. But I don't know is, doesn't the, I, as far as I can tell, in my limited testing of being on Wi-Fi and like going for a walk as I walk away from the house, it switches just to LTE. I see the little thing switch. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with this is I'm used to that Wi-Fi logo being persistent for a good two to three minutes of walking if I'm walking away from a known Wi-Fi hotspot. But with iOS 9, that transition seems to happen much, much more quickly. It's less likely to cling to a weakening Wi-Fi signal and more likely to just hop to LTE. So it is noticeable. Yeah. I do see a logo change much, much more quickly than I've seen before. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, too. When I used to get in the car, sitting out in front of the apartment, it would hold on to our Wi-Fi, and it would suck. Okay, if you need to get a, a connection, you know, while you're sitting in the car, warm with the car, it would be very slow. Uh, but now it uh, it's, it goes over to LTE much quicker. Okay, so so it, it the logo in the corner, in theory, does change, which brings me to, I guess... My thoughts on this. One, the type of person who's on a limited data plan, while you can shut off Wi-Fi assist and suffer with crappy internet connections from time to time, uh, the person with a limited data plan is probably in there micromanaging what apps use their data. Yeah. Because anybody that I know that has 2 gigs, 10 gigs, whatever their plan is, and they're trying to stay under it, they're in there turning off this app can and this app can't and this app can and this app can't. Um, mm -hmm. And they're also... Uh, maybe, hopefully, I think, more mindful of whether it says they're on Wi-Fi or LTE. Maybe people aren't paying attention to that. But you can't blame the feature that's supposed to make the experience better on causing you overages if you're not paying attention to where you're using your phone, I guess. Right, we may be talking about the same uh, yeah. type of people that can't tell the difference between the RAM and a phone and iCloud space. We discussed that was last wow. week. That's true. Right, right. So, so you know, the different, you know, that type of user may not pay attention to anything. So here's my thing, right? You can't have it both ways. I remember a year ago, because Wi-Fi Assist was supposed to come out with iOS 8, and it never really happened. I remember a year ago, people were upset that Wi-Fi Assist never happened. Oh, where's Wi-Fi Assist? Apple's robbing us of features. They couldn't get their act together. And many of those same people now are whining that it has now been implemented automatically. And I think, now, this isn't obviously true for everybody, but I think in many cases, people need something to complain about. Well, yeah, exactly. The, you know, they're never happy. Yeah. If, if you hang them with a new rope, they'll still bitch about it. <laughs> so use the old rope. Yeah, just s screw them. Just, you know, however you can hang them, do it. <laughs> don't don't waste a good rope on those guys. Come on. <laughs> like I said, my my whole thought with this is basically just 
there's too many people that aren't paying attention to why they're using their phone. And you can't blame a feature of a phone on your usage of data. Sure you can, because that way it's not your fault. Well, right. It's it's the same thing as saying, well, I got... So, um, one of my coworkers had a iPhone 4S switch to the iPhone 6. Obviously, the the big change that he experienced not only was screen size, but he went from getting the AT&T, quote, 4G, which was just 3G, but faster than Verizon, so they called it 4G. Right. Glenn, you know what I'm talking about, where it said 4G at the mm-hmm. top, but it wasn't any different. I actually had AT&T right. that time, during oh, that time. So. Um, and then he switched to an iPhone 6, which had LTE. And he was like, wow, I, I use more data. I'm like, well, you're <laughs> using more data because you can you can consume it faster on LTE than you can because your load time is shorter. Yeah, I remember the swell of angry people who were convinced that their carrier was screwing them. Right. They spent a whole day watching Netflix and suddenly their data allowance was gone. Right. It's like, well, it used <laughs> to take an hour for the show to buffer and then you'd watch the hour show. So in two hours worth of time, you consumed an hour's worth of data. Yep. Versus now it's like 10 seconds. So in, in an hour and 10 seconds, you can consume an hour's worth of stuff. So then for that second hour, you can now consume that over again. And the idea that faster internet can make you consume it more quickly. Yeah, again, uh-huh. you can't blame a feature of a phone on the uh, the increased data usage. So I, I saw this. It actually popped up on Facebook is where I saw it first. And then I saw uh, Chris's post about it. And I was like, I don't think you can blame Wi-Fi Assist on using all of your data. Because it's not like in the background, all of a sudden, your phone's like, I'm going to go download everything. Watch me steal your data. <laughs> No, that's not how this works. Like, if if you are watching a movie in the car and you drive away from the house, you are no longer on Wi-Fi, therefore you are using your data. So, I think this is part of a much broader overarching problem. And the problem is people aren't inclined to be responsible users of technology. No. I, I see this all the time, right? They They don't bother researching and learning how the new thing they just got really works. They just want to use it. They don't want to bother learning anything. They don't want to do their due diligence on on figuring out how to do the things they want and what features they do and don't need to use and how those features will affect their data. And then they're upset when it doesn't go right. And what they don't realize is you know, an hour's worth of research on the internet or browsing through the Mac Rumors forums would solve this problem if they just did a little bit of of looking into and learning about what they wanted to do. They'd be way better off. So, my recommendation: if you're concerned about your mobile data, uh, instead of turning off Wi-Fi Assist, which will make your overall phone usage experience better, is go into Settings, tap Cellular. Scroll down to the list of use cellular data for and the whole list of apps and find things like Netflix and Facebook and Instagram and shut those things off. Because you're better off just not using your mobile data for those services that are going to chew through your data quickly than, or or Periscope. There's another one that chews through data really fast. Um, turn things like that off. Don't go in and turn off a feature that oh, well, you're in the backyard trying to stream, you're, you're listening to Spotify, and you get to that back corner of your yard when you're mowing, and signal gets a little weak. And so that, 
you know, one megabyte of song, you know, can download over LTE. One megabyte's not going to push you over the, the the edge of your your data plan. At least I assume it's not. It's the one gig movie that you watched. Right. Want to talk about another Facebook thing? Yeah. Since this, that whole thing started kind of with thing I saw on Facebook. Um, I'm going to see if I can find the, the post for this. Uh, but while we're at it, um, from what I understand, as of September 28th, Facebook is going to start <laughs> something, something, unicorns and rainbows, punching babies, stealing your photos, selling your children to the devil, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whatever, whatever it is. Oh, perfect. And I just opened Facebook and I see, I didn't update my status and I just got a bill from Facebook for $173.54. Oh my God. Um, all of the stuff on Facebook that's been popping up about, if you don't set this to your status, Facebook's going to charge for this and charge for that. And the first time I saw it, I was like, are people really this dumb? And then I started scrolling through my Facebook timeline. Yep. People really are that dumb. And I was like, oh my God, it's not like there's just one dumb person. There's like... A whole clan of them, and I'm friends with them all. Yeah, and I apologize to any of my friends who may may well or they never they, they, are. they better. I think I commented on every single one that I saw, and I was like, "No, stop." <laughs> just just go to Snopes.com and check the damn. There's thing. there is no Facebook status you can post that legally prevents anyone from doing anything, and the Roman statute or whatever thing that you're claiming is going to protect you a roman statute it has to do with international genocide has nothing to do with facebook uh and b posting it on facebook is not going to legally bind anyone to anything it's like a force of nature it's this phenomena that i like to call the stupid and it's like the force there's just no stopping it right it's always been around it's it was on different media years ago i mean People actually believed there was a, a Mars invasion back in the 30s because a radio show said there was. So, That's you know, it was, it, was a, it was a dramatic radio show that came on every 30 minutes and said, this is a drama. It's not really happening. But people still believed, Mar- you know, men from Mars were invading. It's amazing just how prevalent this, this stuff is. I don't think I really ever go through a week without seeing... Two or three of these ridiculous things on, on, on Facebook about, oh, hey, if you retweet and share this ten times, Facebook will donate yeah. $50 to this baby who got burned. It's like, no, that's that's not happening. Someone's doing this to get likes and shares. And how are you people not seeing that? Yeah, so my the reason I wanted to bring this up, not only because I just think it's ridiculous and dumb, was, you know, last week we talked about the... Uh, tech sites and whatever posting misleading article headlines and i thought this was an appropriate kind of follow-up to that same thing where yeah when, when you see things on the internet take a minute think about it and then decide is is does this seem likely does this seem probable does this seem like it could in any way be valid like, I understand posting a status on Facebook, trying to tell Facebook something, like, kind of, sort of, maybe, almost could a little bit be argued that it maybe makes sense. But that's, there's a lot of uncertainty in that, in that logic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I just want, use your brains, people. And, like, some of the posts that came after the whole thing started that were like, 
If you do this, then a unicorn and a baby puppy and a bunny rabbit will all be delivered to your house in a small crate, <laughs> whatever, whatever the whole thing was. And I was like, well, I'm glad that people are having fun with this. But um, th things like fa if Facebook's going to start charging you, they're not going to start charging you mysteriously through. They're going to make it clear. Like they're, yeah. they're going to communicate a message. You're going to log in and it's going to be like, hey, by the way, this service is now $3.99 a month. Where's your credit card number? Give us now. We need your information. Like it's not going to be up. Post this status, and you will avoid being charged. No, that's not how the internet works. This has been a public service announcement from Magnificent. Magnificent, defeating the stupid one podcast at a time. There's your disclaimer. There's your disclaimer. We need it running at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> Or the close. We can just add that to the close. There you go. It's like the emergency notification thing. Like, get that high-pitched tone. Beep! Yep, that's the one. And then we can get a really muffly robot voice. But now if people post on Facebook a certain thing, they won't hear that beep, so it won't bother them. That's true. Um, so yeah, what else? What else we got to talk about? I feel like we're kind of getting there. Have there been any early issues with LCAP? Because that's out today. That is out today. Although, somehow I missed it, because I went straight from the beta to the next beta. I don't really know. Were you on the Golden Master? I, I, I was, and then when I went to check my updates today, it was like, update to the... Or yesterday, it was like, update to the next beta, and I was like... That's probably why. Okay, and I, I, I for some reason I thought it was like a, like a GM Part 2, because they've done that before. Like the really Gold Master, or like the Rose Gold Master. <laughs> That's what it is. It was the Rose Gold Master, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that." <laughs> and then today, that. when the when it came out, it was like, "Oh, I, I've already missed it." Shoot. <laughs> so, I'm already there. Um, there is uh, some type of exploit, but I don't know anything about this because I didn't see this until just now. I'll let Chris fill us in because I think he knows about it. Yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, security researcher, re researcher. Wow, that's a technical term. Security researcher has uh, figured out a way to bypass the uh, gatekeeper that's built into OS X uh, that's supposed to protect you against unsigned or against apps from uh, unsigned developers and from the bad guys. Um, so he's figured out a way around that by using a binary that has already been signed by a developer or had even been downloaded from the Mac App Store, he's actually used a widely available binary. He won't say what the app is. Uh, Apple's asked him not to say what the name of the program is. But uh, he can set it up so once that binary's run, say you're uh, loading it off of a disk image or, or running it from a directory, uh, it can actually load a second binary that's in that directory that doesn't need to be signed by Apple, doesn't need to go through Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper doesn't even notice it's happening. And that second binary can just do all sorts of uh, happy stuff that it wants to. Hmm. So uh, Apple knows about it. Usually, you know, we've talked about this before. A lot of uh, things like this are overblown and all, but Apple, you know, seems pretty concerned about it. And they've already said they are working on a fix for the whole. So, uh, you know, luckily it has been nobody's noticed it out in the wild or anything this is the first time it's came out and he'd let apple know about it about 60 days ago and they're working on a fix so even if you're just you know it, it can it's a hole so hopefully it'll be plugged soon 
That's the great thing about Apple's security. Um, I, I find myself talking very frequently to people about malware and why it's really not a concern on the OS X platform and why people don't need to run antiviruses. See, here's the great thing is the reason that there's really no malware out there and active is because Apple is super proactive about plugging security holes. And even when there is something out there, even when there is a security hole, it very rarely makes it out into the wild. And even when it does, it usually requires some kind of intentional user involvement to work. Which is what's a little scary about this when it really doesn't. Yeah, so this one's a little bit of a unique case, but we're, we still see a situation where here's a worst-case scenario type of security exploit, and yet it still hasn't been seen out in the wild. And because of the type of support network that Apple tends to attract, as far as developers and security researchers, these sorts of things are almost always prevented from being a problem very, very quickly after they're initially discovered and long before they manage to hit the public. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, even with the problem, you know people are going to report on it and they're going to flip out about it because... Yeah, there's definitely going to be overreaction. Because, like we talked about last week... You clickbait headlines and and the like generate page views. So, it, it when you read the thing online that says your Mac apps can be hacked and your computer is unsafe and Macs get viruses and whatever bullshit people come up with, just remember again PSA from the the guys at Magnificent, your favorite three people. You know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, if if you're concerned, don't download things not from the Mac App Store. Um, you know, try to keep your apps coming from a, a known place, known developers. And uh, if you're the type of person like me who shuts off gate, Gatekeeper the second you get a Mac, <laughs> then uh, I guess it's a risk you, you were already willing to take. So don't worry about yeah. it. So I'm I'm totally that type of person. I shut off Gatekeeper almost immediately and, and prefer to... Because a lot of things that I download, I'm, you know, I download text wrangler but i don't ever download it from the app store because i don't know why i have a link for it that i go and download it off the web and i just do it that way and so i always have to go in and shut it off or yeah i've got mine set up to where it warns me you know are you sure you want to run this it wasn't and you say yeah i go yeah click that go run that puppy let's go it's the good alternative so uh one of our somethings of the week sure since i I, I chose something of the week that i ended up talking about at the beginning of the show i'll i'll share mine really fast because i already talked about it and then I'll let you guys do your things. Um, but mine is Purify, the content blocker. It's 99 cents. Um, and if you want the web to be a little bit faster and a little more responsive, and you're the type of person who wants to steal from content creators, uh, you can pick it up. And if you're the type of person who just wants to shut off the Facebook and Google Plus buttons on websites, which tend to slow it down, uh, it's it's worth it. And uh, it does have a whitelist option where you can whitelist sites and stuff like that. So you can go out and build uh, these are people I'm okay with paying and the rest of the web, I'd rather not be tracked when I'm like, heaven forbid you were to go and Google uh, weed whackers and all of a sudden every site you go to has an Amazon link for weed whackers. <laughs> Careful with that. Um, so it gets to watch what you're whacking. Yeah, that's right. So for for things like that, it is kind of nice to not be completely inundated with sponsored content, whatever, um, mm -hmm. whatever they call that, behavioral targeting. That's what it's called. So 
Purify, 99 cents. If you uh, have the need or desire for a content blocker, that's what I recommend, and they don't take payoffs like Illinois politicians. <laughs> next. I guess I'll do mine next. Mine's a, a pretty great uh, a pretty great game that takes really good advantage of the uh, iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. It's called AG Drive. Um, it's a futuristic racing game. You're driving a a sort of flying craft. Um, it's definitely skill-based. Makes great use of, of gyroscopes. Um, I, I hear that they're working on some cool features um, that are going to implement 3D Touch. But for the most part, it's, it's mostly just a really great high-tech racing game. It reminds me a lot of Wipeout on the PlayStation Network, um, which was long one of my favorites on the on the PSP and then on the PS Vita. Really well done, really well crafted. The visuals are very, very nice and smooth. It does take advantage of metal for its graphics, so it's, they've done a phenomenal job on it. It's about four bucks. It's uh, one of the more satisfying racing titles that I've purchased on the App Store. Cool. All right. Uh, looks like I'm up. Um, the fine folks from Echo sent me a little goodie envelope full of stuff uh, the other day, and one of the things in it was their Power Connect. Uh, charger. It's about the size of a pack of cigarettes or for non-smokers a little bit bigger than an iPhone 4. Um, <laughs> and uh, what I like about it is, I mean, it's your average pocket size charger. You charge it and then you can use it to charge your uh, devices when you're away from uh, AC power. But the great thing is, uh, for those of you that go both ways, and by that I mean both iOS and Android, or even, uh, you know, have to charge a speaker or something like that for your Bluetooth speaker, it also inc it includes a, a lightning connector as well as a micro USB connector, both on the same cable. So uh, you're pretty much covered no matter what device you have. Um, it works really well. Uh, I've only used it a couple of times, but it uh, brings my iPhone 6 Plus from about 30% all the way up to a full charge and still has enough left to uh, give it a little extra charge later in the day. And uh, it runs around $40-some dollars. Uh, we've included the link on the side if you're interested. Plus, they make uh, micro-USB and lightning-specific models, as well as a cool little connect key to put on your keychain that allows you to, uh, it's a little short cable that plugs into your, any handy USB port and you can use it to to uh, charge your iPhone or again, another micro, uh, micro USB device. So that's what I've got. Nice. The little T adapter thing looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I've got, I've, I've had the, uh, the lightning connector specific one on my keychain for about a year now and it's come in handy a couple of times. So I'm going to replace it with the uh, with the two pronger. They're almost close enough together. You could use, you could charge two devices at once. Although, does that work? Can you do that? We'll find out. There you go. For uh, for another episode. Yes. Um. So, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Wow. And uh, I, before we like do that whole like end spiel thing, I just want you to guy want you guys to know that uh. Episode 21 uh, was a fantastic coming-of-age episode. I really feel like we've we've grown into... Legal? Uh, we've, we've grown into our beards, uh, or lack thereof. And I think that everyone uh, listening to the episode who's listened along 
should have a drink now. Um, and we really should buy it for him, actually. And no, we shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. By we, I meant you. Uh, well, most of the listeners are your friends, right? That's that's true. Um, and if 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 our listeners do want us to buy them a drink, uh, they can donate to the shows. We'll buy you a drink fund. There you go. <laughs> What goes around comes around, folks. Uh, no, it's it's cool. It's it's fun to be to be twenty one now. I kind of enjoyed being barely legal, but okay, twenty one's good too. Yeah, be, Nineteen and twenty were good, but but twenty one, like we can do whatever we want now. But we've kind of lost the edge. See, it's not illegal anymore. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's, drinking's not the same. Uh. <laughs> plenty of what what we talk about is still well, plenty true. illegal. So that's true. Uh, with that, you guys can all find the show notes at magnificentpodcast.com slash 21 or magnificentpodcast.com slash we're legal. And uh, tweet us your questions uh, at magnificentfm or with the hashtag askmagnificent if you do feel so inclined. You can also leave us a rating review in iTunes. Uh, it helps people find the show and tells us you care. Chris and Glenn, again, I appreciate you guys uh, doing this with me. Always a or pleasure doing it together. Some something in there that we some one of those versions. Uh, well, at least we're all legal you, now, so we right. can do it. Uh, if people want to find you guys on the internet, uh, where might they look? Oh, I am of course on MacTrass dot com, uh, on the Twitter machine, and uh, I don't like to admit it, but I'm on Facebook too. But uh, stick with Twitter; that's where I'm short and sweet. There you go. I can be found on Twitter at the Glenja. Um, that's basically the primary place I like to locate myself. And uh, as usual, you can find me on the Twitters as well at Ian Fuchs. Um, and if if you're looking for anywhere else to find me, then uh, I guess tough shit. <laughs> so with that, uh, thanks, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Fantastic. See you later, everybody. We received one uh, listener question via Twitter. It's a question for Chris, and it says, What are your thoughts on Bring Up Baby, the movie from 1949? And related, what were your thoughts on Cary Grant's acting in the movie? <laughs> You're shitting me. I'm not shitting you at all. <laughs> Bringing Up Baby was, yeah, it was actually the first appearance of Ma and Pa Kettle. Hmm. Uh, which they built a whole series of mo comedy movies around back in the f 40s. Uh, I mean, Cary Grant was a great actor. He's one of those guys that, let me make sure I'm thinking, yeah, 1938, Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, yeah, screwball comedy, RKO. A leopard named Baby, yeah. Shit, it's been 20 years since I saw this thing.